Welcome to Dogs on Demand. I'm your host, Mason, joined by your co-host, Wilson Benton. How you doing tonight, man? Doing good. Um, this is our second week of classes, so since we've seen y'all, we've been through a whole week of classes, and as a Mississippi State fan and as a Dogs on Demand contributor, it's definitely been an up-and-down week. Um, you know, the, the basketball team... I don't really know. There's not a whole lot to say positive about the basketball team right now. But on the flip side, with the football team, you've got a lot of positive notes coming, you know, with – we'll touch on some of it, like t- uh, Tulu coming back and getting a couple of transfer guys. But, yeah, other than that, it's been a, a pretty good start of the semester. And um, the girls' basketball team's doing good. I know we won't really touch on that, but – the girls are improving a lot under Sam Purcell. Um, they've picked up a couple of key victories. Uh, they beat Kentucky by one point the other day, so that was mm-hmm. that was a that was a great win for sure. But yeah, other than that, it's been good. Yeah, uh, just like Wilson said, classes are back, so it's been a little bit of a slow start, but everything's getting into gear now. Um, yeah. Everything's kicking back and startful. Basketball, I guess we'll start off with that. Mine as well. Let's get it over with. It's been disappointing to say the least. Um, Mississippi State has, just like we said, we don't have any scores, and that's all we can talk about until the season's over pretty much because all we're going to see is a team that if you get scored 60 points, you're going to lose the ball game. Yeah, so Mason and I have a theory about this team, and it's – if you score over sixty points against sixty flat, sixty yeah, flat. If you score over sixty points against this team or score in the sixties, you will beat Mississippi State because we physically cannot score sixty points in a basketball game. Um, the last time we scored over sixty points was against Nickel State in December. Since then, we've put up fifty-two against Drake. Oh, we put up sixty-seven against Bama at home. Wow, but we still. We let that one slip away at the end. Yeah. That was our best performance, I think, this year was the Bama game that we lost. Yeah, but fifty three against Tennessee, yeah. fifty four uh we scored sixty four points against Ole Miss, but yeah, in the past couple of weeks, I mean, we we're not scoring anywhere close to seventy. So I mean, if if you if All you right. put up seventy for sure, it's a ball game. All right, let me say this. This'll be the way the rule works. If your opposing team on Mississippi State, if they put up 60 before we do, we lose the ball. Right, okay, yeah, for sure. And that's what we've seen. Uh, you know, losing to Auburn, we were down. We kind of trailed, came we back, made them. it. Yeah, 63-69 loss. Uh, Tennessee, 59-70. to We never got over that 60 mark. They ran away with it. We just kind of made it look a little better at the end. Florida, you know, a lot of people could argue, you know, there's – it what we haven't had the best refing in my opinion. There have been some really bad calls in the past few games. That was the worst game for sure that I've seen this year as far as officiating on both sides. Yeah, both sides. You're like, you know, if Florida was fouled or they blew a whistle on a Florida player, and I was like, that's not a yeah. foul. Yeah, we've had some really rough officiating at the hump this year, um, and it hasn't been one side. It's been on both sides of the ball. That being said, it's basketball. You got to play through it. Uh, but you know, people could even argue in that Florida game if we, if, uh, I don't forget their player, he threw up that crazy shot before half for three points. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you a single one of Florida's basketball players. Yeah. 
The only thing I know is that they were basketball players, mm-hmm. and Mississippi State has athletes on the basketball court, and there's a difference. Yeah. Well, they had shooters, man. And then that's what I'm saying. Well, I, can you look up what the percentage was from yeah, three? Yeah, it was really it. good on the night. They were ten for twenty four, so they came out with a forty one point seven percent free throw percentage, three point percentage. Yeah, it's the same as their field goal, nearly. You cash that in the bank every time. They're, I mean, they, they were, scored thirty points yeah, on threes. Yeah, so they were thirteen for thirty on field goal, so forty one point eight percent, and they almost matched that on their three point percentage. That's yeah. ridiculous. And again, it comes down to, I, I believe our offense is regressing, especially with the starters. I, Jeffries yeah. and to, and Tolu, I said, yeah, Tolu's yeah, Tolu. on the basketball and yeah. Tolu's on the football. Yeah, Tolu, they're both getting worse as they're, the season's going on. It's like they're pressing or they're not. Their just confidence is so shot. Yeah, but those were supposed to be your guys, and they're they're. To, Tolu was awful shooting in he, that game. He is consistently, like you said, he's consistently getting worse in every performance. Like, there may be a glimpse of something that he should be able to do normally or, like, that he should do every week as a all-SEC player. Yeah. But it's just a glimpse. Like, we're looking at a speck about a 1,000 miles away, and everything else has just consistently gotten worse. Like, maybe he does good and has a really good one-on-one and – puts a put back in for two points. But that's garbage points. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like maybe he makes even 50% his, of his free throws like he did against Florida. His post moves, he takes 5 seconds to gather himself in the ball and then he all he does is just the bully back in yeah. and turn around and shoot. There's no there's actual no game there. Yeah, there's no confidence from him or Davis. And if it's not a layup, he misses about 40% of his layups. But if it's not a layup, he's not hitting. I haven't seen him hit a shot yeah. outside of 4 feet all year. Yeah. And so it's really weird because, you know, Chris Jans has had these players step up and Shaq Moore and McNair have really stepped up and filled those positions that Tolu and Davis have left vacant, but they're not getting the play in time. Now, we did see it in the Florida game because they played the last seven minutes of the ball game, but it's really like they're still not on the starting lineup. Well – and hopefully we'll see that change this week. Is Shaq, Shaq needs to start because yeah. he's your one guard that wants to score the basketball. Yeah. Eric Reed wants to shoot the ball, but it's a set, it's a uh, catch and shoot kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna, you know, shoot off the dribble or make a shot or drive in the lane or anything like that. And Deshaun Davis is so timid and so scared to score the basketball. It they almost don't even guard him because they know that he's not going to shoot the ball unless it's a catch and shoot three. Like he, he turned mm-hmm. it on in that second half shooting the ball from three, but as far he had, uh, there were several times in the, the first half where he had wide open drives and chose to, he drove, but then when he was in the open position to shoot the ball, he would pass it to somebody who was covered. Yeah. And so Deshaun doesn't need to be on the court. If he's going to be timid, it doesn't want to score because what they're going to do is they're just going to start saying, okay, I'm going to guard Shaq. I'm going to double-team Tolu in the post when he gets the ball, and I'm going to deny Cam Matthews the driving ability. And we don't have another guard who can create offense Yes, like Shaq. And he has to start over 
I think Eric Reed's starting right now, but you have Deshaun and Eric Reed well, who can't create shots as guards, and then you yeah. have Cam, who's not a basketball player, really, and then you have Jeffries, who can't he can't shoot the ball. He bricked a three off the backboard, and then it hit the rim, and it wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tola, whose confidence is completely shot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just don't know. We started all 11-1, and one, and – What's our record now? Is, are we one and seven in conference now? One and six in conference. Twelve and seven. Okay. Yeah. I the skid is real, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though, looking at the Florida game. Um Davis was fifty percent from three points in that game. That's where most yep. that's where all his points came from. He was three from nine on the floor. Nine points, all three were free th- uh, three points. And then you've got Eric Reed, a starter, 0 for 3 on the night. Three shots, all three pointers, didn't make any of them. So he finishes the game with zero points. And you've well, got. I, I'm just, looking at your stat thing. Why is he starting and only playing 16 minutes? I, like that's less than half the game. Like, yeah. Put Shaq in the starting lineup. It doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. And when Shaq, get, Shaq gets 12 points on the night, McNair gets 10 points on the night. And then. You know, the two guys we talk about, Tolu and Davis, 12 points for Tolu, 9 points for Davis. But, like, they weren't – Tolu was 33% from the floor, and Davis was the exact same. They were both 33%. You can't have guys start and shooting 33%. If it's from three, I I would take it. But as your overall field goal percentage, it needs to be a little bit higher. All right, Tolu was 5 for 15, and he got two of those points – uh, he got two of two of his twelve points came from free throws. Two of what f- five or six? So, yeah. So he had ten points just on actual shots inside, yeah. and then putbacks. A couple I, re- yeah. yeah, and he's not really having a groundbreaking performance. Well, coming into the season, we we all kind of thought Tolu was going to be a a twenty ten mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, yeah, like consistently putting up 18, 20 points a game. And he's just – a lot of that has to do with Will starting to play a lot more than what we thought he would at the beginning of the year. And they're honestly splitting time. It's pretty even right now if you go and look. Like, they're playing pretty much splitting time. Yeah. And right now, I will say they're splitting the the points as well. Like, McNair's yeah. holding his own. Yeah. And, uh, no, I, I just think – I don't know. It's just interesting because you're playing Deshaun Davis for 35 minutes and he only gets nine points. 35 minutes of the game. Uh, you know, Cameron Matthews, like we said, he's mainly a rebounder, defensive guy. You got to play still, Cam, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue that. But he gets eight points in 34 minutes. Yeah. Deshaun Davis, a guard, only gets nine points in 35 yeah. minutes of ball game. That's – he he should have had twenty points. Shaq Moore plays for Florida. Shaq plays for twenty six minutes. He plays almost ten minutes less, and gets twelve points. Yeah, that's because he 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 wants he the wants ball. to score. Yeah, and so as a coach, you got to be looking at this, and you got to be like, hey, look, if you don't want to play, I'll put in somebody who does. Because I mean, at this point, like you said, the skid has happened. We don't have we don't have the shooters to keep up. But if you're not going to go out there and try to make a play, I'm not going to start you. I'm going to put yeah. a guy who wants to score in. I agree, and it's not going to get any better for the guys. They're they're playing 
they're going to out to Tuscaloosa on Wednesday to play the number two ranked. Yeah, we're um, gonna get killed. Al- by yeah, so that's another. You're one and seven, and then we're playing a a top fifteen TCU number team 11. at home, and yeah, yeah, number eleven TCU team at home who just came off of beating Kansas at Kansas. Yep. And you're expecting two more losses there before you have a game where you really feel like you have a chance. And by that point, like. I was I was talking to Mason about this. That Florida game was such a must win game, a must win game. That even that, even that Georgia game. It, it well, the Georgia one was yes, but the Florida one is a very beatable team yeah. at home. You had to have that because you mm-hmm. know who you were coming up against. You know the next couple games. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but the fans are checked out now. Oh, they yeah. know what's coming. Like, you're going to lose two more off the bounce of this, and there's nothing left to play for at that point. You're too far gone. You're yeah. one and seven in conference. And at that time, I think we'll have what's, – what's our overall record now? Uh, we'll be – we're 12 and seven right now, so we'll probably be – We'll be 12 and nine. Yeah. yeah. With our recent form being losing six out of – or six out of the last seven, it, yeah. it's – Yep. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much more time talking negative about the basketball well, team. But let me say this as well, and then we can move on. Um, it's not the fans' fault. Like you can't say we're not creating an environment. We might not be getting a sold-out stadium this week, or the, we've had some in the past few weeks. But like we had just shy of nine thousand fans, eight thousand six hundred and sixty fans in attendance. Granted, most of that is students, but. If you're in there, it still feels like a full arena because the fans are getting into it. No, and they can't use that. They can't complain about that this year. They they could have last in years past Howland's yeah. last couple of years because people knew what to expect from his kind of from yeah. his team. But the fans were are, have been bought into Jans, and I, I think they will continue to be. But yeah. this well, year, it's kind of over. We're giving them the support yeah. that they need. It's just kind of. Now we're at the point where we just coast out because there's not much we can do. You right. can't get any transfers in. You can't really dynamically and change it. We just got what we got, and we got to just you know, ride it out. Even speaking of this show, a lot of us are looking forward to the baseball season. We're kind of going and turning ahead to the to the baseball season, and you know, even our show, we're talking about doing some stuff with uh, some interviews with possibly baseball managers, baseball players, and, you know, that sort of stuff where we should be focusing on the basketball team and their peak prime of their season right now. So it is what it is, but enough about um, the basketball team. Let's talk about something on a more positive note. Um, <laughs> yeah. How about the football staff? I'm. They pulled – okay, so for those of you all who don't know – Tolu came. Tulu came back. It's Tulu. Tulu. I get him confused. Yeah. Tulu Griffin pulled his name out of the portal uh, like four days after he put it in, mm-hmm. and I don't know w- w- what was said or. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure Chad Bumpus was like, "Hey, look, come on back. I'll coach you. You'll get what you want. We got a new OC who's gonna." change the way we'll get you more touches come on back that's chad i mean i'm already falling in love with coach chad coach bumpus yeah but anyway talking about um what's the name tulu having an all-american kick return to come back is huge for your team yeah and 
like I said on a previous podcast, he is the one guy on offense that you feel like you can't replace next season if you were to leave. Yeah, because like we've talked about so many times, he's just so explosive. If you get, he if is. You get he, the ball in his hands. He has the vision like nobody else I've ever seen when he's, he's gonna returning get, the ball. He's going to get five-plus yards a touch. It's. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do in his natural position, being a slot receiver versus a an out wide receiver. I, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're talking about it. Our wide receiver room next year. I mean, you're going to have Xavion and Tulu in the slot. Yep. And then you're going to have Robinson. And speaking of the transfer portal, Freddie Robertson. We picked up a second, a, another commitment this weekend, a wide receiver from Eastern... Eastern uh, Washington, I Eastern think. Eastern Washington, yeah. F- Freddie Robertson? Yeah, Freddie Robertson. So we're going to have two Robert, Robertson, Robertsons on the field. Um, He's an outside guy, I believe. He's pretty tall. Yeah, 6'2", 180, uh, out of uh, Rainer Beach, so Seattle, Washington. Okay. And yeah, he's about a he's a three star guy. Um, let's look at some of his stats. Well, I mean, playing for a smaller school, he's not going to get the the hype of a someone who's transferring from Alabama. Yeah, so nothing crazy. I mean, he's like top fifteen hundred players nationally, but he's like the seventeenth best player in the state of Washington. So, you know, not a huge was that his recruiting. Yeah. Okay. So not like the. You know, he's not the most crazy receiver you're going to get, but I think he's going to fill in nicely to our roster. And he's going to have um, he's going to have a lot of success. Yeah. Because we're going to be a little short on the receiving core, and we're going to have Chad Bumpfist to help, you know, take guys like him. That's what he does. He takes guys like him, and he develops yeah. them into three stars up to like four-plus stars. Yeah, and he's going to look real good catching passes from the new Mississippi State quarterback. Yeah, so Mike Wright, in case you haven't seen, has committed to Mississippi State. Uh, former Vanderbilt Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt QB uh, has transferred to Mississippi State. Uh, he's had some really good seasons. He's a very mobile quarterback. Man, I'm so excited. And, you know, if I'm Will Rogers, I'm getting a little nervous now because he might be competing for a starting job. And, Lord, I hope he loses it. <laughs> he fits the scheme perfectly. Yeah. I was mentioning this to Mason. Imagine we're a third and two. Okay. We got Mike Wright in the backfield taking snap. You got Price on his left. You got Marks on his right. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you guess what? We have a tight end now. So mm-hmm. you have a tight end, lead blocker, or play action pass. Not to mention you could also throw in a little Tulu in motion coming around the end. The options are endless. Who's going to get the ball? The other team has no idea. And guess what? Neither do we. And that's what effective <laughs> football looks like. <laughs> yeah, no, he's – yeah, he's – gonna fit this system a lot better he's a especially the short down distances on like third and two third and one mm-hmm. he's coming into the game he's well, like we're gonna he's gonna be the Taysom Hill yeah. of Mississippi State yeah. this year so that's yeah that's what I was gonna get to we don't really know what he's gonna look like full on but we can expect him to be used as a very like he will have packages yeah, for sure yeah he'll have his own set of plays like wildcat type formations where he just takes the ball out of shotgun or under center and, you know, gets those few yards that we need. And who knows? He may end up being better than Will as far as just the overall fit for the scheme. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Will is obviously a better passer than Mike Wright at this stage in his career. Yeah. But Mike still has two more years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Not saying he's going to, you know, use both of them at Mississippi State or mm-hmm. he may get, you know, choose to do whatever. But it, it, he could develop into like the perfect quarterback for a Kevin Barbe system. Yeah. And the question is okay, let's say Mike and Will split reps kind of this season, which is which is what I'm expecting this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Do you keep with Mike starting and push Parson back yet another year from being your quarterback or how soon do you give the reins over to Parson because he is going to be the next franchise per se quarterback at Mississippi State? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that. I would personally, if I was the coach, I would kind of give, I'd let Wright and Rogers duke it out and just kind of see what happens. I'd probably give, I'd probably give Rogers the ball about sixty percent of the time. Have Wright on the field the whole game, but he ta- he he gets direct snap about forty percent of the time, and use okay. him in that like kind of Taysom Hill way where you've got. Three, three guys in the backfield, and the defense has to account for another guy that can throw the ball downfield if need be. Um, now, in terms of Parsons, I would definitely start to implement him throughout the season. I don't think I'd start him at any point, but I would definitely be bringing him in in the second half in some of those easy non-conference games we've got yeah. and let him run the offense and give him some play time. Well, that's one thing. R.I.P. Leach, but that's one of the things that he refused to do was play a backup quarterback in a blowout game, which yeah. I never understood. And, you know, we don't want to run into another situation where our, a four-star quarterback leaves the school because they're not, not getting, getting any, play any playing time. Yeah. Even in mop-up time, Will was still going out there. And so you don't want a, a sorry Robertson situation or a Daniel Greek situation again with Parson because I don't we recruited well at the quarterback position because mm-hmm. of Mike Leach. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to be able to recruit at that level again without Mike Leach. Yeah. It, and so it's like Chris Parson needs to be the dude for four years. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It's hard to say because, you know, with Mike Leach, he's able to go to a QB and be like, hey, look, if you come play for me, you're going to get – 80 passes a game and you're going to complete about 60 of them like you're going to get your yards you're going to get your stats maybe not 80 but you'll get 50 plus passes a game well yeah like just depending i mean he's you're going to get your stat lines well now uh, what kevin barbe only throws the ball half the time and which are a little bit less than half actually it's Mm -hmm. like right between 25 and 30 times a game so you're cutting the reps by like 60 percent your passes yeah yeah and Switching back to right into the fact that he fits his system so well, he over the past three years at Vanderbilt, you know, he's had some up and downs seasons. He started off, you know, he did he just came in for a few games and had a few passes, so he had about a sixty percent on the year, but he only had ten attempts. Yeah, uh, season his, I guess this be his sophomore year in twenty twenty one. He has one hundred and seventy five attempts on the year, ninety three. Uh, completion, so he's fifty three point one percent. And you got to remember, Mike is playing with people who are not SEC athletes either. You're basically playing with like 
high tier D2 or really low tier D1 athletes in an SEC schedule. That's what I'm saying. And for he did something. He he well, was the starting quarterback with Vanderbilt, and mm-hmm. they beat Kentucky, yeah. which Mississippi State couldn't do with Will Rogers. Yeah, and so last year he had a heck of a lot better year. 148 total attempts, 85 completions, 57.4 percentage, 974 yards on the year, uh, about a 6.6 yard per attempt, uh, 97.4 yards per game, 12 touchdowns, you know, at only four interceptions. He brought that down. He year before it was eight touchdowns, six interceptions. He improved 12 to four. You know, you're seeing dramatically less sacks, four sacks on the year. The year before he had 15. You're seeing him improve. And so he's going to come to Mississippi State. He's going to have a heck of a lot better team around him, well, a way better offensive line, better receivers. We're seeing that with Chad Bumpus. We're seeing that with our O-line coach, coaches. Um, yeah. Um, the potential of tight ends being added to the team. Um He's going to have a better environment for him to succeed. That's what I was going to say is his per, his uh, completion percentage, you can almost add tack on about 20% to that 57 yeah. because of he's not going to have somebody in his face constantly because his O-line can't block, and he's going to have a receiver. He's not going to – while we will have some drops, we won't have we'll, – we will be better talent-wise at the receiver position. And speaking of that – I don't know why I keep forgetting this guy. He's a baller. Jaden Wally is also going to be back. Yeah, I, I com- he completely slipped my mind. We're going to have a loaded slot receiver mm-hmm. room, so it's going to be interesting to see who gets on the field. Because for me, it's Wally and Tulu, and mm-hmm. Xavion's not still not going to see the field yet, and he transferred because he wasn't getting playing time as a freshman. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about the potential rumors of a tight end from Georgia coming to Mississippi State? Yeah, go ahead. There's a there's a Georgia tight end for um, coming to Mississippi State this weekend for his official visit. Hopefully, Sunday or Monday, he will commit to Mississippi State because he's a, been in the Georgia program for a long time. I think he's a grad transfer. He's an mm-hmm. older guy. He's a grad transfer out of Georgia. I don't remember his name right off um, the top of my head. But, I mean, I will take all the Georgia rejects I can get. To be perfectly honest with you, um, speaking of Georgia rejects, Rara Thomas, I don't know if y'all heard the news about that, but uh, our boy Rara got arrested on this morning charge. at 4 a.m. on mm-hmm. a felony charge with, uh, I don't want to speculate what the charges were, but it had something to do with the felony charge of false imprisonment and um, something to do with... Uh, harassment or something with his family so it's a serious serious situation with rara and he was booked into prison at like four this morning so take with that what you will um either pray for the guy or think my goodness we dodged a bullet there i don't know i mean maybe a little bit of both yeah yeah so i mean he probably wouldn't be he probably wouldn't have this wouldn't happen if he would have stayed in starville yeah um, I'm trying to – I'm looking for this Georgia tight end. Let me get the roster pulled up, see if we can't figure it out. But, yeah, but uh, no, it's going to be exciting to have a tight end in the room, and he's going to be TE1. 
Well, it's, they, there isn't there isn't one. <laughs> so yeah. as soon as you, you that's that would be my pitch to the dude. Hey, come be the tight end at Mississippi State. Yeah, the tight end at the Mississippi only State. one. Yeah. Now it's interesting though, um, because I'm like you, like we mentioned, you talked about how we only we've got all these guys that are going to be in our receiving core. All right, Freddie Robertson, Griffin, uh, Wally. You know, you've got all these guys. Rufus where, Harvey's going to be back. Rufus He's another Harvey. slot guy. Yeah, where are you? You're running out of guys to throw out there. You know, yeah, it's going to be interesting so, to see how how much production we can actually get from a tight end with all these really top tier receivers that we're going to have. The tight end's name is Rylan. Go Ed, how do you say it? Uh, oh, is this uh Gooday? Gooday, Rylan Gooday. That's what it is. I'm sorry about that last name, but. It didn't look English to me, so that's that's what I'm gonna call it. I'm not. A, I haven't heard an announcer say that, so, or I hadn't heard his name. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're gonna call him, Ryan Gouday. Uh, yeah, you you'd love to take a national championship tight end, whether or not he's on the bench, and just bring him to your team as Mississippi State. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully, you know, we get some more good news this weekend. Yeah. Um, that'll be a plus for the for the football team for sure. Yeah, and. You know, it's interesting. Like, usually we wouldn't be talking about football for this long, but with the whole new coaching changes, uh, the whole new staff and the transfers we're getting, it's exciting, especially since basketball has been the letdown that it has. I wouldn't Well, basketball has not been a letdown from the sense of I was not expecting them to do anything this year. Yeah. It was – the winning 11 going 11 and one to start out and, and then, then dropping eight or seven right and and i would argue two or three of those we were in the game to win it and we just we lost all of them well so it's in some, the last five minutes we lost all of them and that's that was our biggest criticism of ben howland was yeah. every time we got in a close game he would lose it at the end and it's not the thing about this is it's not the coaching. Maybe it, maybe the common denominator here is the players. That's all I'm saying. Well, the players got to win. There's only so much coaching you can do. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, it's the Mississippi State thing to build your hope, build your hope up in this team, watch them go 11-1, and, 11 and one, and then really get some support, support for mm-hmm. them, and then SEC play starts, and then they drop like all but one game. Yeah, and it's it's just tough to see, man. It's such a Mississippi State thing to do, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, we play Alabama. Not expecting anything. Hopefully, we just play competitively. Uh, we're I really doubt you we're just want to see him put effort into yeah. it. That's all it is, and that's all that's all we really want right now is you know just finish the season strong, try to get some wins, play the game, do make your free throws. Yeah, um, dear Lord, make your free throws. Not on a basketball note. I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our classmates, um, Maddie. Yeah, I don't. You you probably don't listen to this, but I'm gonna get you to listen to this episode just for this reason. <laughs> Maddie placed first place in her in pole vault in mm-hmm. the 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 first or second SEC track meet. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't SEC, but it was a NCAA track meet and got her personal best. I guess is a jump. Yeah. 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 So but, she got, yeah. So she, uh, she's a senior at state majoring yeah. in civil engineering. So that's how we 
know her personally. Um, but yeah, she competed this past weekend and did rather well. Like we said, yeah, she, she won, won the meet. And yeah, good old Maddie Kish. Yeah, Maddie Kish, shout out to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to see your friends doing big things for the maroon and white. So I got to give her a little shout out. But uh, other than that, guys, we're less than a month away from baseball season. Where and are we so, at like 24 days? In these next couple podcasts we're going to be putting out, we're going to be talking with some managers, hopefully some players if some things work out. We're also probably going to be giving y'all our preseason rankings, our thoughts on the teams, maybe ranking the SEC stadiums, yeah. and a whole lot more coming the baseball side. So y'all be sure to stay tuned to stay tuned to that. Um, there's going to be a lot of baseball content coming y'all's way, and that's really how this podcast started. Mm-hmm. It was on the baseball side, and we yeah. just kind of kept it going. So I'm excited, looking forward to – um, start a baseball season and uh yeah we're coming back to the roots and yep. you know there will be no bias in who has the best stadium because it's just facts oh, mississippi no. state has the best stadium in college baseball well that's that is kind of biased no no bias it's some, a carnegie hall of baseball some lsu fans would disagree nah, i'm sorry they would be wrong but you know with that being said it has been a great night at the dogs yeah. and the man headquarters A lot of interesting things coming up, so stay tuned. Uh, And with that being said, good night.